0: everybody it's Wayne with Mark and a and we are so excited that you have come to watch the eat community podcast we know you're going to enjoy it we actually did it live originally on our eat community webinar series which we also invite you to come to but you will love this podcast that you're going to be listening to right now How are y'all doing today? Um, I am going to uh, move my camera one more time here. Just Get it focused a little different. There we go. How's everybody? Here I am in Northern Colorado on my second webinar of the week or podcast of the week. I did not go on the one that we had um, yesterday. With uh, or the day before, excuse me, or was it yesterday, Mark? With uh, Sam, tell us about how that went.
1: Yeah, that was that was good. Uh, He was talking about he was really passionate uh, about what he does in his uh, his place, and he was talking about regenerative agriculture and all those things. Was really good. And his place is where? It's in uh, New Jersey, I believe. Yeah, New Jersey and New York close. It's off uh it's slightly away from the city, but it's between New Jersey and New York somewhere.
0: Alicia, how did you get this many posts this quickly? You're a you have very fast fingers.
1: Yeah, amazing.
0: <laughs> um well I got on right before here today, I was just telling Mark, because this is a big day for me and my little family, my wife and I, and much bigger family with our kids and grandkids. But so I think it's a good thing for them too. Um, We have closed on selling our property here in Colorado. And buying a property in nampa idaho which is in the boise idaho area and i'll just quickly tell a really interesting story which is that we are moving back into the same house that we had 33 years ago and i've never talked to anyone else that's done that that uh, Unless it was maybe a house they lived in as a child, and they moved away, and then 33 years later, or some long period of time later, they moved back into the same house they grew up in, but not to where you moved away from something when, in my case, I was 38, and and then moved back when I you do the math. I'm not going to mention that number. <laughs> so um, anyway, it, we had simultaneous closings, essentially, where we bought one, sold the other. And uh, it was a great thing. This is our Talk with Wayne session. And I've got some topics that I want to talk about. But mainly, I want to talk about topics that you'd like to talk about. And uh the only way I can find out what those are is if you use your fingers and put in some thoughts and questions and topics into the Q&A box, which you can click on at the bottom of the screen. And Alicia's already put in not any questions yet, but, but at least as of a few minutes ago, a few seconds ago, and you could do the same. Uh, the number of you that are out there, I'd sure appreciate it. Why don't you all also just briefly put in there a one if you're hearing me all right and seeing the screen. Right now, It's I'm not sharing anything else. I will in just a minute. Um, so it's just me probably that you're seeing. And then put a one in. And also if you're hearing fine, um, and just put a one in for those two things. And then maybe just put Sort of where you're at in the world, that'd be really nice. And um, I'm going, and yeah, do that. that there's a, a a thumbs up that just this came through. That's right. We in this using this Zoom now. Um, you don't have to put ones in. You can do the, the the kind of visual things like that. That thumbs up that just went past. So that was cool. Um, again, if you're listening to this as a replay. Um, you can still put questions in. We will answer them. So please do that. And those of you that are live, again, the intent of this whole session today is to get your thoughts addressed and uh, to talk about them and maybe get some dialogue. Any of you that want to be unmuted, um, you can just let us know in the, the, the question and answer box and we will unmute you. And Mark, I'm not gonna. Oh, I'm not gonna just spend a bunch of time in that Q and A. You go ahead and do that, and uh, yeah. and you tell me if you see anything that's going on. I do see something here. Faye is from New Zealand, and we know where Alicia's from. Um, this is an interesting one. Um, she owns, and I won't mention the name. She can maybe put in here. or Put a one and if she wants me to mention, but she owns a zero waste refinery a refillery. Maybe that should is that a refillery? I'm not so, you know what? Wait, waste refillery in Walnut Creek. And I'm assuming that's Walnut Creek, California. Although I actually know of Walnut Creek and a couple of other states. I'm gonna just make that um, a, uh, uh, a, a, an assumption. And Amy does sustainability presentations. Amy, we would love to, you know what? I just mentioned your name. Darn it. I didn't mention, I'm not saying a last name, but she, uh, you would, we'll talk with you. We'd love to have you come on and do a session with us if that's something you're willing and interested to do um, at some point. Um, but tell me, a refillery, that's a new term to me. Uh, I. I could have seen a zero waste recovery, or a zero waste um, transfer station, a zero waste um, a whole bunch of different words. But I'm not, and I, I can kind of make a guess about what refillery might be. But, but if you would uh, put that into the uh, into the to the chat, that'd be awesome. Alicia is probably going to come up with the answer. She says the chat. Yeah, it's actually the Q&A. Mark, could you, could you uh, enable the chat number yet? Something I think you need to do.
1: Yeah. Well, OK, I will.
0: Yeah, Zoom has both Q&A and chat. Faye, what's the weather like down in New Zealand? We were very blessed with having Zeb, um, Zebula Harrell, Zeb Harrell and his partner visit with us here in Colorado a couple months ago. And Zeb has talked on our our channel. Here's here's, uh, uh, Alicia putting in a link about a a desert refillery.
2: Let me open, I'm gonna open that link. And see
0: what that says. It's, it's on a site from Iowa State. Alicia, that that link takes you to Watershed Academy. The yeah, Iowa is training held twice a year. I don't, I'm not, I don't have time to just kind of look here to see what that says about a refillery because all I see is stuff about a watershed academy. Um, but you might might check that out a little bit and let me know more about it. Um, oh, that was Alicia not talking about the watershed, about the refillery. She was just asking about the Iowa. Have I heard of the Iowa Watershed Academy? No, I have not. And it's, uh, there are most states have something like this where they hold an, a, a, an academy, is, got, is starting to be a word that's used commonly for educational types of sessions. Um, and there's, there's links there that'll talk about some things they've done in previous ones. Um, and uh, so that's kind of cool. But uh, no, I've not heard of that one specifically. And it's a beautiful, sunny spring day. Again, it is unbelievable fall day here. Early fall, um, 80s, about 10 degrees higher than normal um, for this time of the year. Um, lows this morning in the 40s, low 40s, but still warmer than normal. It could very easily be freezing now here. Um, again, I'm talking, I'm talking uh, Fahrenheit, uh, not Celsius. Um Refillery is a store where you can refill on every product you carry for your home shampoos conditioners cleaners oh how cool is that and this is this your website uh this planetrenew.com Put this in and and uh, show it to everybody here. What a great idea! What a great business!
2: All right, Mark. Can I easily share my screen? I can. Can I? Yeah, you should be able to. I am going to share my screen, just a second. Um, It's going to be this one.
0: Everybody see that? Yep. All right. So eco-friendly products. This was the website that um, Amy gave us.
2: and she gives a little bit of the history here. It's all started with plastic bags.
0: Walnut Creek, yep, it looks like it is because Mount Diablo, so this is Walnut Creek, California.
2: Wow, everybody, this is very cool.
0: I am so appreciative of this. As I move to the Boise, Idaho area, will I be able to find something like this, do you think, Amy? By the way, if you're willing to unmute, if you've got a microphone there, love to have you come on and chat with us. Up to you. It looks like we do have. Something in the chat now, oh, that's actually on your site. <laughs> it, it, I apologize. I clicked the wrong place here. I get rid of that
2: Um is what do you think the odds are I will find something like this in the Boise area?
0: I would guess we've got something around us here in Colorado. I wish I had known about it while I'm here, but I certainly will as I move.
2: And do people bring
0: things directly in to your location to refill or do they also send them through some kind of um, a postal service also.
2: Faye says chat is still disabled.
1: Mark, is that true? It it should work now. Uh... I just turned it on a little while ago, so if you try now, see if if it works.
2: Go ahead
0: and give that a shot.
2: Right. Um, And there is one
0: in our chat, which is from me. (laughs) I guess that must've been automatic or Mark put it in. Mark probably put it in. So, So again, Amy, back to my question, Will, will people just come in physically with what they need to refill, or can they also, or will they also send things to you
2: to refill? Probably says that something on here. Here's the refill shot, click on that. So, they will only allow refills with the purchase of a glass or aluminum bottle.
0: And does that mean for online? Okay. Okay, got it. So, she will, she's answering the question, starts literally out here. You can do things online and then do refills with a glass or aluminum bottle. But do you do those does that get sent back to you then? Let me see here. If anybody else is seeing it, you guys can throw it in also. Everybody's shy. They don't want to come on and talk. And that's fine. Oh yeah, the plastic, plastic waste problem, everybody, in my mind, is so huge. You know, she says here to 300,000 tons of plastic just from cleaning and personal care plastic containers. Unbelievable number. Well, you may have a new customer from me. We already buy from a whole bunch of the different people that we've done webinars with. So we use kind laundry, which is a, pal- a pad that we put in do for our laundry, and again, it's, it just dissolves. And again, there's no waste from that. Interestingly, there is a cardboard box that it comes in, and I, I you know, that could certainly be reused, but it's very small, um, and it wouldn't be completely a zero waste situation. Um, And then in our stores, farmer's markets or events, it's a bring your own container. Free local pickup,
2: always available. So is this a gallon of shampoo for $3? That seems very cheap to me.
0: I'm not sure, I'm not. I don't buy gallon sizes of shampoos or body wash oh shoot here's this is smaller, but curiosity is two seventy six These seem like incredibly reasonable prices
2: Again, what does everybody anybody know what the uh how many of
0: these kinds of refilleries are around the, the country or the world? Mark, have you heard of anything like this in Bangladesh?
1: No, not in my country. But we had a, a guest come on. Um, we have had a, um, one of our webinar guests uh, was uh, in, in this business, I think, for water.
2: Yeah,
0: water, but but not, this is everything, you know, personal care items. So it's, right. it's on water, it's really cool.
2: Okay.
1: Uh, Lisa has come on, maybe she can uh, tell us something. I will just unmute her.
0: Lisa, have, have you, uh, do you have any refilleries? In your part of the country,
3: I have seen these in some places, though they're not as
2: common as we would probably like them to be.
0: By the way, I'm going to just divert, devolve, just change subjects real quickly, just because you're seeing it on the screen. Um, This is Chat GPT, and and I'm, I just started a new chat. I'm going to start a new chat, or I did. Clicked on starting a new chat. And I use something, and it's, it's, it, it, there's a price associated with it. I believe it's $20 a month. But it's called AIPRM. And it is a way that directly in chat GPT I can do all kinds of things. And, and this is just showing the ones that are the most popular popular you know here write a book with one click now i haven't tried that yet i don't know whether that's um truly as good as but look at there are four so what it does is it generates prompts for you and allows you to do things um very simply and i'm really just beginning to start to use it more i i've gotten very comfortable using chat gpt Um, which I'm going to show you in just a second, to do a lot of different kinds of content generation. And there are a lot of problems with it, but uh, I'm going to actually start this chat and and we're going to talk about
2: um, refilleries. I'm writing here. I think that's right, refilleries, I got it. So let's see what it does. Of course, I'd be
0: happy to help you start a discussion. By the way, you've gotta be really careful with, with Chat GPT, and, and it gives you some false information. You really always wanna check things out. So example is um, I have just been writing a book on, Something called Jerusalem artichokes. Which, how many of you put in a one if you've ever heard of Jerusalem artichokes? And if you really think you know what they are, so only put the one in if you really know what they are. And put a nine in if you've never even heard of them. And put a five in, let's say. And this is in the the Q and A uh, or in the chat if you sort of, kind of, maybe you've heard of them but not sure what they are. So Faye, wow, we're gonna talk a little bit here in a second about this topic. I wasn't gonna really talk about that as a topic. Lisa is in, in the middle. Lisa, you're unmuted. You you can you can anybody that's willing to come on and talk. Lisa's on our staff, everybody. Um, and Lisa, introduce yourself because we've got a little bit bigger crew on here today than common. So
3: well, okay. thanks, Wayne. So I'm Lisa. I'm part of the EAT team and uh, working with Wayne and uh, Mark and Areeb behind the scenes. And I, uh, am, I live in uh, the U.S. in New Jersey. And, and I have heard of Jer- Jerusalem artichokes, and I think you have to dig them out of the ground, right? That's correct. Um, it's a, they're a root. Are they a root or a rhizome? No, they are?
0: Well, that's a great question. Because you would actually, a rhizome is a root, really. But a rhizome is a root, is a specialized kind of a root. It's a root that will actually grow additional um, stems out of the ground, where a a root is usually, you consider it as something like a tree would be, which would only grow one tree. an aspen, by the way, and so I said tree, but aspens have, which is trees, have rhizomes because their roots will actually sprout new trees from them. Jerusalem artichokes will sprout new Jerusalem artichokes from them. I'll show you some pictures of Jerusalem artichokes and both their tubers and, in, and the plants, the above ground portion of the plant itself. They are native to North America. They were a common food source for Native Americans. When the pilgrims first landed on the East Coast and even when the Spanish came to the West Coast, uh, Native Americans were eating them on a very common uh, fashion. And the tubers are the the underground portion, the root or tuber uh, is what is commonly eaten. However, the uppers, um, and they're in the sunflower family, and the upper portion many times get um, mis misidentified. A lot of times, people identify what are really Jerusalem artichokes as sunflowers. And uh, and they, if you really know what to look at, you won't misidentify them. But but they can be. But anyway, I am writing a book right now on Jerusalem artichokes. I am a little bit of a world experts on them and there's a whole different story but um i i, I got references here be, through some prompts that i did and i haven't checked them yet but before i publish them in the book i absolutely will check them and these almost every one of these i've actually seen before and i know that they're accurate but back here a little bit further there's some references where The dates on them are 2023 and 2024, even. And chat GPT is very clear in telling you that it doesn't have access to information past September of 2021. So any kind of a publication that would have a 2023 date is probably bogus. So... I, I, haven't come, I haven't come up with one of those yet here. I'm looking at these references as we scroll, but there's a whole section of them that I got that have dates for the publishing date of the article, which were prior, here they are. Look at this, Robertson and Davis. If somebody wants to help me a little bit on this. You can help me write this a little bit. I'll, I'll acknowledge you, definitely. Um, here's Robertson and Davis. 2024, Alicia, you take this on in the Journal of Environmental Studies, which it the, you could actually have a journal with a 2024 publishing date that isn't, you know, even though it's still 2023. As you probably know if you live in the United States at least, we have a lot of vehicles that the 2024 models are already being sold. And there are some journals that that would pre-publish. And someone could have access to a 2024. I, my gut tells me this is bogus, though. And then this one here, Turner and Smith 2023 in the Journal of Sustainable Development. These might even be bogus journals, to be quite honest. So you, you can't just accept everything you get um, in, in the chat GPT world as being accurate. And notice there's a bunch of dates here on this whole section. And I believe this is on. This particular section is on the future landscape, and I wonder if, for, because it's because it's future landscape, if it actually is bringing things up that are um, that are not even real because it's speculating on something that's going to occur in the future. Um, so anyway, um, let's go back to our, our filleries.
2: See what this. Says. I'm going to
0: ask it some questions about um, where they might be located. Lisa, have you seen any in the in in the east?
3: Uh, yeah, people like to grow them in their gardens.
0: No, not true, slumberchokes. I changed subjects. I'm sorry. Oh, 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 sorry. Hi. Back to refilleries. I went. Oh, the
3: refilleries. Sorry, I I wasn't track. I didn't track that very well. I'll go back to (laughs) Juice Tomorrow (laughs) Chokes. The refilleries. Uh, Yeah, I thought I had answered that question. We have some, but not really a lot. And I think it's because people like to do one stop shopping, you know, having to go to a number of places because where I live is we don't really have a lot of public transportation. So. It's uh having to drive around a lot.
2: But I have seen them more in um, areas like specialty areas. Oh,
3: I can't hear you, Wayne.
2: Oh,
0: I'm not saying anything. I'm typing. Oh, OK. okay. These refilleries would be located. I'm guessing it's not gonna answer this for me to be quite honest, but um i'm gonna I'll get an answer, but I may have to go around the horn a little bit. I'm just asking chat g p t uh, and sometimes when it doesn't like a question, it literally well here we go
2: major major
0: urban centers, metropolitan areas cities. New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, San Francisco, college towns, doesn't give any. Um, I I can get this to tell us very specifically locations, ecotourism destinations, college towns, Colorado, Rocky Mountain uh, resorts, it's saying here, Pacific Northwest, urban centers, like I said. Um, It's being really broad right now. I could literally get it. Through the right kinds of prompts to give me specific locations, so they're obviously around. Um, how do you distinguish yourself, uh, Amy? What? How would you? Uh, how would you? Let's say, market to where I should use you rather than somebody else, some other one. Is there something you do that's a little different and a little uh, that would be a good good marketing? um reason for me to use you or for somebody any
2: of our audience looks like we're getting much more play now on the chat
0: So uh, Faye says, we've got B-Pure in New Zealand. It does personal care and foodstuffs, as well as branches countrywide. And then here's Amy says, where is Zilchers?
2: Alicia just gave a couple of other sources. Alicia, check those two articles out that I said and see if if they're real.
0: Faye says, I buy my refills mostly online. So she's able to. Amy says, I think every town should have. And are you saying that by that, meaning that they should because it makes sense, or are you saying they probably do?
2: Kind of define that a little bit. We're going to stay on refilleries for a second, and then we'll go back to Jerusalem Archie. Yeah,
0: Alicia put in a, a, some stats. Average American makes 4. 4 pounds of trash each day. Global Citizen produces 2.6. Yeah, we're, we're by far the most wasteful country in the world. It's disgusting. The US produces 33% of the world's solid waste. Now, I'm going to be a little bold and say something. I think there are countries in the world that don't report on these kinds of things, um, maybe as well as they, it's just reported in the US. Um, so maybe there's some countries that have a, a, also a pretty big waste issue. Um, but there's certainly a lot that are way better, too. So we have found an online store, um, but it's best to refill in person, okay? And they they have one. Um, So it's best to have access to a refill store. My customers bring in their own containers and only pay one uh, pay per ounce. That's pretty cool. So you'll refill per ounce. Um, Less plastic use,
2: less toxins, all very, very cool.
0: Is the chat enabled now? Yeah, it is. You guys are using the chat. But we were, people were using the Q&A before. Either one works, but. Um, any other thoughts
2: that people have? And we'll talk a little more about refilleries.
0: Otherwise, I'll switch to Jerusalem artichokes Or, and book writing. You tell me. Would you like me to talk more about Jerusalem artichokes? Or book writing using Chat GPT and other things. I've written a number of books. I mean, a number way before using anything like Chat GPT. Um, it, it is the amount of work that I have to do to write using Chat GPT as a guide is unbelievably less. I, I mean, off the charts. It scares me how in a bad way that it could be used. And I already told you that it scares me that some of its information is just totally false. But if you're smart and you do it the right way, you can figure that out. Um,
2: But let's see in the chat, let's see what people are saying.
0: Alicia says, "I think that most of the product cost is in the packaging." Yeah, and you talking about personal care products, Alicia, or just generally? And is that true? Anybody out there for personal care items is a lot of, more than fifty percent of the cost in the in the actual packaging. Could be. She said general. So I I don't know about foods, Alicia. I would hope that's not the case, although it might be. might be for some things. Um, Obviously, buying in bulk food-wise, if you're buying 50 pounds of rice, 50 pounds of wheat, um, and, and you're buying it in a package that's got the 50 pounds, that the price of the packaging is considerably less than it would be if you buy a pound of rice in some kind of a container, which is probably also gonna be
2: reusable.
0: But I think the way most consumers buy in very small quantities, they, uh, they are probably paying a lot for packaging. It's probably true. by the way I did this one in GPT-3.5 if you have use of, of chat GPT highly recommend using 4.0 it's gotten to be really good might say here when this was last
2: uh, updated
0: yeah I was I was telling it here what what my personal circumstances were, and I guess it gives you better answers if you uh, if you tell it about you. And I did that.
2: That's what that's showing. George Lamartine Let's go to that for
0: a second. And we can move to something else. A um, little bit why I'm kind of an expert. Um, in 1982. I was running a company in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, which is an agriculture area, big time agriculture by far, at that time, the largest industry there in the region. Sioux Falls is a fairly large city for that region. At that time, we would say it was the second largest city in a five-state area, those five states being South Dakota, North Dakota, um, Wyoming, Montana, and Idaho. And the only reason it was second is that Boise, Idaho was larger in Idaho. So I guess if you set a four state area South Dakota, North Dakota, Montana, Wyoming it would be the largest city. I think it still is today, still the second largest. Boise has grown dramatically. Sioux Falls has grown a lot, but not as much as Boise, but it's still larger. Anyway, I mentioned that only because I had a company that did a lot of different kinds of things. And one of those was. We did literature research for
2: different um, parties
0: that wanted to get information, which is something that this is pre-internet, so you could not you didn't you weren't able to Google something. You couldn't get information in the same way that that Alicia's getting all of this that she's getting um doing a Google search or a Bing search or. A, or whatever the search engine that you're using is, or certainly didn't have chat GPT. Um, we were linked into a database of, of information through a crude beginning of the internet, and this was in 1982, with a, a laptop, excuse me, a desktop computer. There weren't laptops really even at that time. And if they were, they were in the very early stages. And we linked into this database that I think IBM, we got, we got um, access to it through IBM. I got access because I was a college professor and um, it was free. And we could do searches using a teletype machine. It didn't give you anything on a screen for given topics. And it would give us references for articles that were written about or books written about that topic
2: on teletype paper,
0: which streamed out into the office. Two guys came into our office and said, can you do a literature search for us? about Jerusalem artichokes.
2: And I was being
0: a good salesperson and said, sure, we can do that. (laughs) And said, come back in a week or something. I don't remember how long. And uh, we'll get you whatever we can get. They left. And my partner and I looked at each other and said, what's a Jerusalem artichoke? (laughs) We had no clue. (laughs) <laughs> what they were. We thought about globe artichokes, which is which are grown in more semi-tropical types of areas, Southern California, for example, and you eat the peels of them, but that wasn't what it was. And so we then, when, when we used to, our customers would come in and ask, we would sort of have a bet between the two of us about how many articles we could find. And I think he might have said, I have no idea what this thing is. I can't imagine there's anything about it. I'm going to say we could get uh, 20. (laughs) And I said, I was a little more optimistic. And I said, oh, no, I'm going to say 50. We got over 1,200. These guys were ecstatic when they came back and got their results. And we were kind of happy because I think we charged by the number that we got them. So the bigger the number was, uh, the more we would, get, we would get paid. And anyway, we, we, we created a relationship with them. They, they weren't even sure how to use the results they got. They, they, there were By the way, the vast majority of these were from China, from Russia, from the Ukraine, And from, remember this was before the breakup of the Soviet Union. So Ukraine was just a province inside the Soviet Union, but there were results specific. And I actually say that because today, probably more Jerusalem artichokes are grown commercially in the world, in the Ukraine than anywhere else. It's possible China has more, but they don't publish very accurately what they produce for anything. So, um, but anyway, the vast majority of these 1200 articles were from the Ukraine, from Russia, more broadly from China, from India, from Vietnam, interestingly, from Korea. And maybe there were that 50 or 20 that, I, that we had this bet about that were from the US. Most of them were interpreted, so that even though they were published in those other countries, the, the article itself was written in English. Because the next step we would take with these people that we would do this service for is we'd actually get the articles for them. And we had another process we had to do to, to do that. So bottom line is we became friends with these two individuals. It turns out one of them owned a farm about 40 miles, not a little more than that, 70 miles from, wh- from where we were in Minnesota, where they had planted in the spring of 1982, 20 acres, I think, of Jerusalem artichokes, tubers. And that later that year, in the fall, they were going to have a harvest. And they had they were excited about that and they wanted to find out, you know, just what value that would have. So I'm gonna fast forward to two thousand to nineteen eighty-five, three years later. In 1982, there probably was in total of the United States a thousand acres of commercially grown Jerusalem artichokes. Most of them were in the Yakima. And Walla Walla Washington area the the along the Columbia River and um, there was a commercial market there and whatever you would find and, and after that I also looked in high-end grocery stores and this was before places like Whole Foods um, and Worry was able to find you could find these tubers in those by the way I'm going to put up a Picture of a Jewish march. Okay,
2: Mark, keep telling me if people are either making comments or asking questions. Yes, I'm looking. I'm looking at the chat. Uh...
0: So here are pictures of the flowers. Again, very sunflower ish, correct? Everybody agree?
2: Here is a plant,
0: early, you know, very small, by the way. Here is a, a, a one that's probably, what, three feet high? Still very small. Here are the tubers. This one's been shaved so they are almost always very irregular in shape, which is somewhat problematic for harvesting. It's not like a potato that could be harvested really easily because they're all the same shape. These have had these, that's not how they came out of the ground. When they come out of the ground, they look like this and that. Um, I was hoping there'd be a picture here of a field, like a big cornfield, 20 acres. Here's, here's a more likely picture of how big they can get. I have seen them in a number of locations 12 feet tall. They can be prolific in terms of their size
2: and their densities.
0: Here's, here's some that are more like a cornfield. Ah, uh, shoot, I lost them, where'd that go? What did I do? I didn't click on it,
2: where'd it go? Shoot. Here. Uh, tiny farm blog, let's just see what this says.
0: Here's, here's somebody that's talking about them in their blog in, ni- in 2008 and they were harvesting them probably
2: by the way another name they have is sunchokes
0: um that's kind of a more common name so anyway i said fast forward from 1982 to 1985 by 1985 there were maybe 2 million acres of in the united states up from a thousand in 1982. Big story there. A couple of guys, both the guys that came into our office in 1982, in 1986, were charged with felonies for illegally selling these products and having a scam. The acreage that was $2 million in 1985 probably went down to 50,000 in, in 1986, and maybe today, and I haven't researched this in, in huge numbers, but I bet it's back down around 1,000 in the United States again, and most again produced in, in that one area of Washington where there have been farmers that have been producing it for years, and I'm sure they've been selling it from there uh, for that long period of time still very greatly grown. Anyway, during that process, I at one time had 15 employees out around the world in the, mostly North America doing studies with farmers who were growing Jerusalem artichokes during the summers or during the growing seasons of 1982, 83, 84, and 85. I probably have more agricultural data on Jerusalem artichokes than anyone in the world. We had farmers that would provide us surveys throughout the growing season of about 100 different variables that they measure, rainfall, numbers of days of sunlight, um, pests, all kinds of things. And they were all over the North America in every climate below the Arctic circle that you could imagine. And I gave the keynote speech at the World Symposium on Jerusalem artichokes held in Seoul, Korea in 1988. And I've done a lot of research through the years on Jerusalem artichokes. I haven't very recently. So probably the last year that I did anything of any great amount was 1990. And I've published a number of articles about Jerusalem artichokes, never written a book. So that's why I finally decided to take the plunge and go ahead and write a book because I think this crop is greatly underutilized in a commercial sense. One of the things that it can do is phytoremediate, which means you can plant it on soil that's contaminated with metals, with hydrocarbons, other bad things, and it will take that out of the soil. Now, those are not going to be tubers you can eat, but it'll take them out of the soil. And uh, and then you would have to deal with that, but still much more green, much more regenerative, much more sustainable than any other kinds of ways you would treat that soil. And um and and the reason it's a great way to do it is that once a jerusalem artichoke is growing somewhere and i'm curious faye if you've had what experience you've had with this and lisa you said you've actually grown some at least you've seen some in gardens and such maybe you can't get rid of them <laughs> the tubers will spread the next year they're going to come up again and if they were if you had two plants this year, you'll have 20 next year. And if you have 20 next year, you let them grow, you'll have 200 the following year. They they will become incredibly prolific and dense. The tubers are not the only thing that have edible value. The uppers, the stems, the leaves, the flowers even, will make incredible livestock feed. So all of this, high protein, really good nutrients, um, again, depending on the soils that they're grown in and, and can be of also of value. So they could be a much more broadly grown crop. In the Ukraine and Russia, there are millions of acres of them, and they are used as both human food and livestock feed food and The only way you can get rid of them is really deep digging or horrible chemicals, which I don't recommend doing at all um, But you can deep dig and get rid of them, go several maybe a foot or two down into the ground. The tubers stay fairly close to the surface they don't get really deep um in uh in most soil times so mark any other questions comments
1: um i see a couple of comments uh one is from alicia she says uh check out the video of Wayne dorban so i think she has one of your videos uh in here in the chat and then she says, the very hairy stems and leaves
0: well, that was, uh, that was that was Faye saying that, and that's based on her that's experience Faye, yes. yeah um, what did you how did you deal with that in terms of then using them for some kind of a food, Faye? Did you just peel them? Did you take the take the uh, I'll just call them the skins off of them?
2: These videos are about
0: me, Alicia, were they made with one with in our eat world? Because I I've done some some other presentations, or are they of me speaking in some other instances. Um, they don't store well. This is uh, Faye saying they're invasive, need to grow and contain. Yes, absolutely. Throwing away roots with sprout. That's exactly right. That's what I was saying. Um, I'm, I'm sure they weren't native to New Zealand. <laughs> they're great roasted. Yes, they are. They'll make great soup. They have something in them called inulin, which is not insulin, but inulin which is a safe sugar and a very good one, high in fructose rather than sucrose. There's some really good nutritional qualities. So for example, a diabetic can eat sweetening, can use sweetening from Jerusalem artichokes in a much safer way than they could from other kinds of sugars. Um, Inulin is actually used again in some pharmaceuticals for diabetics. Um, they don't store well unless kept in the ground. That also is accurate, um, and even meaning you you can't put them in a root cellar, for example, like you could potatoes and and have them store. They'll dry out. Um, has been my experience at least. Um, here's one that, that Alicia put in about the growing the complete complete guide to plant care and harvest i mean if you're growing them in a garden setting and you can isolate them you know grow them in a raised bed for example that it's got some um some screening plastic let's say i hate to say it but let's say recyclable type of plastic that's on the bottom of it um then you would keep them contained you can't hardly you can't do anything wrong with them (laughs) it's really amazing they will grow in anything, any any soil type, not great soil conditions, and they'll grow, and and do and and produce both the uppers and the lowers, the tubers. It's it's weird how easily it is for me to get back in the vernacular that I would
2: use all the time with them. I'm going to click on this video. Alicia referred to, and just see what it is.
0: Well, we'll do that later. Um, We're going to start writing more and more books, using them as a deliverable, for our educational content, here and eat. And they're going to be free to our, our members. We're not trying to use them as an income generating source. Truly, they are going to be a source to get people engaged, get people engaged in dialogue, get people engaged in learning. Um, so suggest some topics that you think are under-publicized in books that are Available, easily available, free, but probably. Please do that. Lisa, we're about at the top of the hour. You have any other comments, thoughts?
3: I just want to share that uh, uh, information about uh, our next podcast with uh, John D. Liu. I'm really looking forward to meeting him and hearing him talk about regenerative, the regenerative and restorative. processes that he does with the ecology he's done some amazing filmmaking work and i'm really curious how to bring some of his large-scale uh projects his theories uh how do you how to implement them on the small scale like my own backyard kind of curious about that so i'm looking forward to to that podcast
0: well, and he is awesome. We've interviewed him before. I've gotten to become a pretty good friend of his. What he's probably best known for, everyone, is is things that he has done in his homeland, which is China, which is to take an area that was completely de- denuded by previous agricultural activities, an area that's large enough that you could see it from satellites in space, so millions and millions of acres. And he put it into a regenerative. Uh, program. And it is now one of the most lush and amazingly beautiful and regenerative growing areas in the world. And that was all documented through uh, his his efforts back, and this has been many, many years ago then. By the way, Faye said that she grew Jerusalem archos in Africa. Yeah, like I said, if, if it's not Arctic. <laughs> I think you can grow them anywhere. Now, I'm not sure you couldn't grow them in the Arctic, but they would, they might, they might totally freeze out in the ground. They won't in Minnesota, <laughs> where where there's ground frost down very deep. But John Lou's going to be really fun, everybody. Um, and that is next, when, uh, Alicia, next week, correct?
1: October 11th. So it's oh, a couple well, of weeks, a couple weeks. Yeah. Out. 10 days. Okay.
2: Yeah. Tomorrow, who do we have for replay, Mark? We
1: have uh, Alexis Ziegler.
0: Yep, and, and he's got some awesome sessions on very right. practical types of applications, yeah. things that you can do. By the way, there's some sites here. I'm looking in the background on another screen. You guys aren't seeing this, but where they're selling tubers to plant for a lot of money. <laughs> it's ridiculously expensive compared to what, for example, I thought was cheap that, uh, that we were seeing from Amy's uh, refillery.
2: You just can't go around planting these things.
0: But again, they will take over. Be careful. All right, it is a little past the top of the hour. I've had fun. I always do on these sessions. Um, I'm going to be spending a lot of time moving in the next two months. That's not. I'm not going to miss these sessions. I hope never. We'll keep doing them every week. Really tell everybody about them. Get other people to come to these or watch the replays. I appreciate all of you so much more than more than you'll ever know. Um, You'll have to come and visit me now out in Idaho, excuse, other than we still are gonna have a connection here to our place in Colorado. We have one of the coolest regenerative agricultural operations in the world right out that window that I'm pointing to right there. Um, And if you can ever come and visit it, I think you will agree after you've been here. I won't be living here in the future, but I'll have people here and I'll be back and forth from here. But um, so, love you guys. Love you, Mark, for your help. Lisa, love you. Appreciate it. Lisa, any last thoughts?
3: No, good luck with all the moving and uh, look forward to seeing you next week. Mark, any other thoughts from you to finish up?
1: This was an awesome session today. So, um, yep, have, uh, have a great rest of your uh, day and see you next week.
0: All right. Take us out, Mark. Hey, everybody.